Amen. Well, good morning, church. Great to see all of your beautiful, wonderful faces. It's a privilege to stand before you. It's a privilege to be a part of this amazing family of God. It's a privilege uh, to open up the word of God together this morning and to receive what he has for us. My name is Greg and I am the family's pastor. If we haven't met yet, let that be my introduction to you and the invitation to come say hi to me and introduce yourself. So glad that you're here. And um, I'm so thankful. It's like uh, we can actually embrace Christmas now. Like there's no more debate about whether or not it's okay to do anymore, right? We've put the pumpkin spice away and, and like now it's peppermint. And we're like, okay, with that, um, I'm not, I'm just a normal after Thanksgiving Christmas guy. Anybody like November 2nd, you're like, it's happening. Christmas is here, right? Thanksgiving is part of Christmas. You just roll it in. No, I try to wait. Uh, for, for any of you who have kids or have been a kid, you know that moment, um, that Christmas morning moment. Do, do you guys have like one present that you like really remember getting? I have like super, not Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo, NES. When I was eight years old, I remember I asked for it. I didn't think there was any way I was going to get it. I did not think my parents were going to buy it. I, it was probably cost like a like hundred dollars. And I thought that was like, you know, might as well have been like a million dollars or whatever. And um, I remember um, the morning of Christmas, there was a present like in the back, kind of behind the tree that hadn't been there before. And I was like, Hmm, it's kind of a good sized box, right? So all morning long, as I'm like opening my Christmas presents, I'm like, okay, great, that's good socks or whatever, you know. Nah, 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 nah. And I'm just like at the corner of my head, I'm like, who's that for? It didn't have a name on it. Who's that for? I didn't know. And finally, it's like, I get to the end and I rip it open. I'm like, yes, Duck Hunt, you know, Mario. Ah, you know, and the game cartridges are like this. Did you guys do that thing? Right, like, like, right, like, and now, like, we got. Um, um, I don't think we got Emery this, so I think she's in the room, so I can say this. We got my, we got my boys for Christmas a couple of these little, like, like off of what is that? Temu, Timu, whatever that is. That you know, it's like twelve dollars, and it's got like four hundred Nintendo games on it. Right? It's like, like a. I'm like, wow, we've come a long way. But like, like. You remember that feeling of like, I hope, I hope, could it happen? Like, could I get that thing? Oh, I hope I get it. I hope, and we use that word still a lot, even as adults, I hope, right? And, and often I think what really what we mean when we say, I hope is like, I wish that would happen. I wish that it's like a, it's a, it's sort of a, optimism, like a dressed up op optimism. Like usually it means like, I wish for this thing to happen. I, I hope Texas wins the national championship, <laughs> right? Actually possible finally for once. <laughs> like I hope I get my time off that I requested, my personal time. I hope uh, that we're not late. I hope that I get an A on the test. I hope she says yes when I ask her out, right? Like I hope it's, it's, a, it's not really... It's not rooted in something that usually we can control. That's why we're hoping, right? Otherwise, we just say, I'm going to do this. I'll be on time, right? Usually, we're running late. I hope I'm on time. I hope all the lights turn green and nobody, no grandma gets in front of me going 22 miles an hour, right? Like, I hope, I hope I get there. Like, and, and 
biblical hope is something different altogether. It's, it stands upon something. It, it has a root. It has a foundation. It has something underneath it by which we base the hope that we walk in. And, you know, the problem, the problem with the way we do all the other hopes is they're, they're false hopes. They're, they're easy hopes to lose. Because the moment the thing we're placing our hope in is gone, then, then we're now hopeless. And that can be a lot of different things. There, there are so many things that become so familiar and so normal and so dependable in our lives that we can then begin to put our hope in them. Oftentimes this can be a person, a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, that that person is just always there, but we know like life doesn't always go the way we want it to, does it? Brokenness in relationships happens. Sudden death, unexpected death happens. We put our hope so often in like our freedoms as Americans that I can stand up here and proclaim the gospel, that we can go into a store and tell somebody Merry Christmas most of the time, okay? That we can, um, that we can say the things we wanna say and go the places that we wanna go. All of these freedoms are things that we place our hope in, but the reality is none of these things are promised, we're actually kind of rare. There's a vast majority of the world that can't do the things that we have come to put our hope in in so many ways. And so what scripture promises is like, God's gonna shake things. And the things that can be shaken will be shook. And when they get shaken, it will quickly reveal where we've placed our hopes. And so as the people of God, who know that like, hey, life, I don't know if you guys have noticed, it's been a little hard in the last few years, <laughs> right? You're like, okay, we got through COVID. Oh, like we're not done here yet. Like buckle up, buckle up, right? Like this is still, and I don't know if you guys know, there's this thing happening next year. It's called an election. Have you guys heard of that? Like the last one went so well, <laughs> right? Like, but, but like, and, and I make jests of it, but genuinely it's like, and inflation and like you just name, you just throw it out there. There's war in the Middle East and there's war in, in Eastern Europe and there's, and it's, and some of these things feel closer to home than they have. Sort of like these proxy wars almost. We're, we're sort of got our fingers in the pot over here. And it's like, well, how long, you know, we put a lot of hope in our security. We put a lot of hope in our military. It's why things like Pearl Harbor, or 9-11 are, are so seminal to us as a people because we've come to trust in our ability to protect ourselves. And so when that gets shaken, man, we get shaken. It's like, wait a second. I thought we were the biggest and the baddest and the best. None of it is promised. But there are promises. There are things that we can stand upon. And they don't come from anything here, and now listen, those, lots of those things are good things. Our families are good things. The freedoms that we enjoy as Americans, those are good things. We want those things for other nations. We want those things for all people, right? But they're not our hope. They're not our bottom line hope. They're actually the fruit of the hope that we hold in Jesus. Maybe nobody does hope better 
in scripture than the prophets. They walk this line, right? The, the prophets are, well, who were they? they? They were the mouthpiece of God. The prophets in the Old Testament, they were the ones speaking on behalf of God and they had a specific calling into which they spoke. They were covenant clarion. They were, the clarion's like that horn, right? Like that crisp, clear call. Hey, family of God, Israel, you're ignoring your covenant with God. And if you continue to do so, bad things are coming. They're the ones that are standing at the edge of the cliff, waving their arms at Israel in the car, Thelma and Louise style, with the pedal to the metal. And they're going, turn, stop, don't do it. And every once in a while, Israel gets a good leader and they go, okay, and they let off the gas and they turn and then somebody else comes along, boom, they go right back to the, and eventually they just go right off the edge, right? Right into exile, right into all the curses of the covenant that they didn't keep. And they became a people without a home and without a leader, submitted and subjected to, to, to others. And, and so here they are, they're speaking both to the car that's about to drive off the cliff and sometimes to the car that's already driven off the cliff. And they're, 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 they're calling them to attention and they're saying, hey, get it together. Please come and worship God. Keep your covenant. He's being faithful and patient and enduring with you and you are being wayward and it can't go this way forever. But they're also at the same breath, they're speaking words of promise and of hope. Hey, Israel, should you continue to drive this car off the cliff, yet still God will be faithful? Should you be feckless and fickle and break every covenant, still God will keep his covenant with you. And promise after promise, they're speaking hope into darkness. Hope into the hopelessness that the people of God were enduring. And into this setting, it's, it's into this hopeless setting of exile that the prophets are speaking. And the prophets are really interesting. You probably noticed this awesome red telescope up here. And this is, this is just a little bit of a picture for us because this is kind of what the, the, the prophets are, are doing. I went to Yellowstone and I went completely unprepared. It was like me and a pack of hot dogs in a camper van. Like literally, right? And I'm like, I would just like get out the map. I'm like, I guess I'm going old faithful. Okay, I'm going over here, right? And, and the way I found wildlife is I would just drive until there were a bunch of cars parked on the side of the road. And be like, probably something here, you know? Like, get out, and everyone would be like, there's a bear. And I'd be like, where? And they'd be like, he's, he's not the zoo, right? He's not like just coming on up, like, hey, how's it going? You know, here I am. Like, he's like right there. He's like 500 yards away. I'm like, that brown dot? Yeah, that's a bear. No, it's not. Oh, it moved. Okay. Yes, it is, right? And the, the experience was very, like, underwhelming. And... And, but, so like I said, I came unprepared. I didn't have binoculars, I didn't have anything. But there'd be these guys out there, right? It was always the guys with like a flannel shirt and they had a little notepad in their pocket with a pen and they had some like awesome behemoth like binocular telescope thing, right? And they were just over there, mm -hmm. mm. you know, doing this thing. You know, and kind of like looking at all of the rest of us peons without telescopes, like, 
what are you doing? Do you not know you are, you are failing at this task, right? And usually I'd have enough courage to go up to one of these guys and be like, hey, can I take a peek? And they'd almost always say yes because they want to show off their toys, right? And it's amazing what happens. You get down and you look in this thing and what was this vast expanse of hundreds and hundreds of yards, maybe thousands of yards, in a moment just goes, whoosh. this 3D big, broad, wide thing that you can barely make things out on, all of a sudden it gets squished down and it becomes like looking at a TV. All of a sudden it's 2D. Everything is right there on top of each other. Things that are 500 yards off, things that are 1,000 yards off, things that are 5,000 yards off, they kind of all get squished into this one picture that you're looking through. And this is what the prophets are doing. They're standing at a point in time and they're looking ahead, but they're not looking with their natural eyes. They're looking through an anointed telescope, a prophetic telescope with God. And he's showing them the things that will be. But what's interesting about the prophets is they're, they're taking all these things that if you were standing with your natural eyes would be stretched out over hundreds and thousands of years. But because they're seeing them through this Holy Spirit telescope, they all go... And it's like they're looking at one picture. And so one second, they'll be talking about Christ who is to come born of a virgin in a manger. And then the next second, they're talking about this eternal kingdom where all wickedness is destroyed and the king sits on the throne and reigns forever. And you have to be able to discern, wait, how far apart are these things? And sometimes you can't even do it. It's hard to do, right? And, and so that helps you as you read the prophets, they talk about all these things as if they're happening concurrently. They sort of are all just there for the, for the viewing, Right? And, and actually, in the eyes of God, that very much is how he sees it. He, he looks down upon all time in, in one breath, in one scope. And, and so the prophets are looking, and what they're seeing, Jesus hasn't come yet. And what they're seeing is his coming. They're seeing his advent, his arrival. They're seeing this one, this one who would restore the lost hope of Israel. There was a very real people that they were writing to. They weren't, they, 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 these prophets were writing to us, right? That's what's incredible. It's the telescope. It all gets squished in and they're writing to multiple audiences all at once. It's amazing. But they're also talking to a very real people right there in front of them. And they're saying, hey, you hopeless ones, don't lose hope. There's one who's coming. There's one who's coming. And he's going to make all things right. And we're going to get into to all that. But then at the same time, they're also saying, and there's another coming. He's going to come. And then he's going to, he's going to come again. He's going to show up again. And when he shows up the second time, game over. Or game begin. Or I guess it just depends on your perspective. But there's not just one advent. There's two advents. There's two arrivals. There's a first coming and a second coming. And in the prophets, they get squished together. But the beautiful thing in there too is there's a first coming and there's a second coming. And then there's everything in between. And that's who we are. We're a people of the in-between. The first coming has happened. He's come. And the second coming is going to happen. It will come. And both of these things inform how we live here and now in the in-between. And that's what Isaiah wants to help us understand this morning. And so um, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. He's kind of the Advent prophet. He speaks a lot 
about the coming of the Messiah. He's not the only one, but we're gonna be focusing on three different passages here in the early chapters of Isaiah. And each one of them is gonna offer us a a glimpse into a, a different promise that God is making. Something that we can now stand upon and hope in and put our trust in. See, biblical hope is a trust. It stands on something. I trust that that has happened and I trust that what you say will happen, right? And so three promises. The, the, the first one is this, God is with us. Come on, that's a good promise. The second promise is this, that, that his kingdom is coming and it's a kingdom of righteous rule. We need that. And the third promise is a promise of victory a complete victory over sin and death and evil once and for all. And what's amazing about each of these promises is, is, is in them is that there are layers, what we just talked about, this squishing together, this condensing, that at the same time that all of these promises have a, have a sort of a first arrival setting and they have a second arrival setting and they have got a, an in-between that we're living in. And it's speaking to all of these things at once. And so we're going to look at that as well. And I don't have time. I genuinely, I mean, each of these, we could go and and spend a whole morning on each of these passages in Isaiah. So that's your homework is to do that, to do that. Go this week and meditate on these three different passages in Isaiah. Ask God what he's saying. Tell him to take you deeper. Get out the notes or whatever you're doing and just chew on this with him because there's a lot here that's really worth getting into. So I'm gonna pray one more time as we begin to read this word. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. You are the word become flesh. And we thank you that scripture is living and active. It's alive, it's effective, it's powerful. It accomplishes things in our lives. And so as the people of God, we come underneath it right now, God. God, we say, uh, let this word rule our lives. Let it direct us. Let it encourage us and correct us and build us and do all the things that's purpose to do in your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 7, 14 says this, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. My wife and I started dating in, um, well, I had just graduated college and she was still in college and we dated, I was in Texas and she was in Tennessee. Um, she went to the wrong UT, right? And um, we dated long distance for um, two years and we were both poor um, and got to see each other, I mean, maybe like two and a half to three months, like four times a year, something like that. And I'll, I'll never forget the day I was working and uh, hanging out and my boss looks over at me and she's like, hey, come outside with me. And I was like, mm, that's weird. Why? Like, you know, like, what does that mean? Like, where are you gonna like, go put me down? What are we doing out there, right? Like, like, she's like, no, come on, come on. She had this kind of coy little smile on her face and I walked through and I'm a pretty discerning person, right? And like walk through the office and the little office ladies are like, you know, like making faces at me. And I'm like, what in the world this is weird. It was like a, a Wednesday. It was like a normal day, right? And I come outside and the tailgate on my 1989 silver F-150, his name was Gus, was down and the windows were down 
and the, the radio was blaring our song. And sitting on the tailgate of my truck is the most beautiful, amazing, blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, my wife. Not yet. She wasn't yet. But, and, and, and like, it was one of those, like, have you had those moments where you like, watch the YouTube videos where people are like, the homecoming where they're like shocked and they like don't know what to, they're like, they like, it's like, is the video glitched? Like, what if they like freeze or they like run the other way sometimes? You're like, where are you going? Why are you running away? Like, you haven't seen this person in three years or whatever, right? Like, that was totally me. I was like, my brain was lagging. I was like trying to, I was like, God, what is happening? You know? And, uh, you know, all the office ladies are in the window. You know, like, they all knew they were in on it, right? Like, but it was that moment of like, my wife is like living on like pittance. She has like nothing. And she had scraped together for months, every last dollar. And she was eating ramen and doing all these things and bought this plane ticket. And, I, and it's just that moment of you, like you, my, my favorite person in all of the whole world, the person I wanna see more than anyone else, you came here for, for me? What, you, you, wow. That's Emmanuel. And, and I think we can, I can, I know I'll speak for myself. Like it, it can become ordinary to say that God came in the flesh. But it's so healthy for us every once in a while to just really sink into that. God who breathed with the breath of his mouth and spoke into existence all that is out of nothing. Who made every star in the heavens and knows every hair on your head. God, the eternal, the timeless one. The one who sits outside of all things. The one who is perfect judge. The one who holds your life together right now. The one who has perfect sovereignty over all things. God. God, the one we can't fathom or understand or begin to decipher. God became flesh and dwelt with us. Emmanuel shall be his name. Wow. We can end right there. Genuinely, like, wow, wow. Like, you, 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 you came for, for, for me? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. He didn't come for any other reason. You understand that, right? There wasn't, I mean, he did. It was ancillary that he's repairing and restoring and redeeming all of creation. But like, we're the ones who broke it, right? <laughs> we're the ones who threw a wrench in the whole operation. He came, he came for you. He came for me. He left his throne in all of glory. He took off his crown and he, and he set it down and he came as a normal, he, he came as a baby, the most fragile. I mean, useless is the wrong word, but what do they contribute? Like a baby is nothing but work, right? They poop, they pee, they cry, you feed them. They're not producing anything. He came helpless. Not only did he came helpless, he came unknown. He came to nobody. He came as a servant in the middle of nowhere. He emptied himself out, as scripture says. 
And he said, like, he wants us to get it. I am with you. I'm in it with you. So much I'm in it with you that I would leave heaven and descend and make myself a human being. It's crazy. It's wild. It's unbelievable if it weren't true that God would do this. And that's the promise we stand on, that God is with us. We look back and we, and we see it. And Isaiah was pointing to it and saying, listen, God is coming. One, not, not as a far off one, not as one way up here. He's coming to be like you and me, flesh and blood, to dwell and tabernacle among us. And we can stand on that. That's a promise that we can stand on. And it's also a promise that we can long for. Because scripture lets us know that like, hey, Emmanuel isn't just something he did back here at a point in time. Emmanuel is his name. Emmanuel is who he is. He is God with us. That's, that's who Jesus, that's who he is. It, like Revelation, like, okay, any of you guys like uh, readers and you'll like flip to the end of the book? You're like, does he die? Okay, good. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I saw his name, so I know he's still alive. They're talking about him, right? Like, but I didn't spoil the story. I didn't cheat, right? Okay, we're going to cheat. We're going right to the end. Revelation 21, okay? This is after the second advent. This is, Jesus has come, and he's put the evil one in his place, and now he's bringing his kingdom down into the world. And this is what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. And God himself will be with them as their God. This is eternity that we're talking about. The way that God reveals eternity to us, what makes heaven heaven is that God is there dwelling with us, his people. for eternity, right? Let, let's get a right understanding about heaven, folks. We're not going up there to play harps, right? We're not going up there just to sing songs until like we, we, we like can't think of any more songs to sing, right? It's like, okay, I sang every song in every language. That was great. Now what, right? Like, oh, we still have 10,000 more years, right? Like, like, like we're gonna be with God. That's what heaven is. Like, think about how incredible it is when the presence of God shows up in the room. That's our eternity. Sign me up. I'm in. I'm in. And, and, and so Jesus is coming again, and he's coming, Emmanuel, to be with us forever. That's the promise. That's the promise that we stand upon here is that he came and he was with us and he lived and he breathed and, 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 and he died and he rose again and he was resurrected and he's coming again. And when he comes again, he's bringing his kingdom with him and he's bringing us into his eternal home that we might be with him. We're a people 
in between. We live in between these two advents. We're a people of hope. We're looking back with hope and we're looking forward with hope. It, there, there's, a, there's a standing upon the promise and a longing for the promise that we're living in. The promise that he's Emmanuel and there's a beauty about how we live it right here. And John chapter 14 tells us this. It says this, if you love me, Jesus is saying this, keep my commands. If you do, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you. And what? And be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Woo. That's awesome. So what God is saying is, I showed up, manifest in the flesh, the person of Jesus. Lived, died, rose again. I'm coming back. The word become flesh. The lion and the lamb, eternally with you. And in between his coming and his coming, he's with us. He's with us. He's with us right now. Church, you are never alone. You are never alone. You're never alone. The spirit of God is with you right now. He came, he came so that he could give you his spirit so that you would never have to be alone. That's why he came. So that that promise could be, could be real so that we could live in this tension of, well, I know you've come and I know you're coming again, but, but, I, but, but you're not here and I'm not there. So what do I do? Friendship with the Holy Spirit is what you do. You draw close to the one who's with you. So with you, he has tabernacled in you. You are his home. Your, your heart, your spirit is his home. That's amazing. I wanna, I wanna do this. I just stop and take a moment. And here's just a little like, it's like a little discipleship opportunity, right? You can do this at any time, in the car, in traffic, whatever. If you want to, you can close your eyes. You don't have to, you hold up in your own. And I want you to just take a moment and just in your mind, I want you to acknowledge the presence of Holy Spirit with you right now. Thank you, God. Yeah, you can just give thanks as, you're, as you become aware of him with you. Just thank you that you're with me. Thank you that I'm not alone. Thank you that I don't have to do this by myself, God. Thank you that you care about me. We harbor hope through friendship with the Holy Spirit. That's how we do it. And so we're standing upon this promise, this promise that he's Emmanuel. And we're longing for this promise that one day, Emmanuel, we get to be with him forever. We're looking through the telescope with Isaiah here. And the second promise we see is that his kingdom is going to come. And it's a kingdom of righteous rule. It's not just that his kingdom is coming, it's what kind of king and what kind of kingdom it is. And this was so important to, to, the, to the people of Israel in the time that Isaiah was writing this because for hundreds of years, they'd been ruled by almost primarily and only wicked and broken and selfish 
kings. So much so that they had driven the car off the cliff and now they were being ruled by people who weren't even their people. Assyrians and Babylonians and Persians and they didn't have a home and they didn't have a temple and they didn't have power and they, didn't, they couldn't do the things they wanted to do and the places they wanted to do them and the ways that they wanted to do them. They were subjects of somebody else. You know, I think one of the big lies that we believe church is that we want independence. I think many of us believe that. I, I want my independence and that might even be ruffling some of your American feathers right now, your eagle feathers, right? The truth is we, we don't want to be independent. What we want is a righteous ruler, right? Our kids, our kids don't wanna be independent. They think they do, right? What they really want is for us as parents to cover them, to protect them to make a way for them so that they can then become everything that God has made them to be. This is exactly what God is talking about right here in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. Listen to what he says about his rule. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow. Thank you, God. That's incredible. Like, like what he's saying is like, listen, this is, this is the kind of leader I, I am for you. This is the kind of leader I'm, I'm, that, that he's saying, hey, he's coming. First advent. There's a leader that's coming. And this is the kind of leadership he's going to give you. Right? He's a wonderful counselor. He's wise. He's understanding. He sees rightly. He makes good decisions, decisions that don't just serve him or serve the short term, but, but, are, but are farsighted and nearsighted. He, he's incredible in that way. He, he's, he's mighty. He's a mighty God. Don't, don't we all want to be led by somebody who can actually do the things they say they're going to do? As we come into election season, right? It's like, just do the thing you said you're going to do or don't say that thing. <laughs> you know, like it should be very easy. Right, but, but, but it's not, but this is who he is. He's like, I'm a mighty God, I'm capable. Whatever it is that's in front of me, I'm able to do it. Whatever obstacle, whatever problem, whatever thing there is, I can overcome. I have what it takes. And you know, here's where it gets amazing, right? Because we can get it, like, okay, I get it. Kings need to be wise and kings need to be powerful and capable. And this is where it just takes a right turn into the unbelievable character of God. He said, do you know what other kind of ruler I'm gonna be? I'm gonna be an everlasting father. I wanna father you. I'm gonna listen to you. I'm gonna care about you. I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna put your needs above my own needs. I'm gonna sacrifice and lay my life down for your life. I'm gonna provide for you. I'm gonna think about you and what you need. Who doesn't wanna be led by that? And he's a prince of peace. He said, I bring peace, right? You wanna talk about freedom, right? Let's not, let's not confuse independence with freedom. Freedom is being led and covered in such a way that we can release the onus of directing 
our own lives and trust him to lead and shepherd and protect and provide. And it sets us free to be ourselves. In the same way, it's not right for my kids to be worrying about how we're going to pay the mortgage. It's not for them to carry. I'm the dad. I'm the leader. I got that. You be a kid. This is what the father's saying to us. Hey, you guys, be kids. Right? I'm not saying be irresponsible. Right? Don't hear that. What I'm saying is like, hey, we take the onus of control upon ourselves and the promise that God is saying, come stand upon this is I've sent you one who is a leader who's worth coming underneath. Because when you come underneath, you become more yourself, not less yourself. You become more free, not less free. That's the kind of leader that Jesus is. We can stand on that and then we can long for that coming kingdom. Isaiah 7, 9, 7 says this, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Come on, Jesus is coming. He's bringing his kingdom. He's bringing his righteous rule and there's no end to it. I'm on the throne and I'm not getting off is what he says. I'm here to rule and I'm here to be this kind of ruler. Like, and so like we need to understand like when we, when we look forward to this, what we're not doing is escapism. What we're not doing is like burying our head, not in the sand, we're in the clouds. <laughs> we're not burying our head in the clouds and ignoring the realities of the world, right? Um, try, I went over to Trevor Allen's house one time and he like let me try out these um, VR things, right? And like I played golf and it was so disorienting and you're like, what? And you're like in a different world, right? And of course I did it like 10 minutes. I was like, okay, that's enough of that. And I take it off and he's over there with his phone like, He's like, please fall down. Like, please trip over the coffee table. Please do something stupid so I can put you on YouTube, right? And like, YouTube's filled with that. Like, like that's, that's, not, that's not what scripture's talking about here. It's not, it's not escapism. It's not going into another world. It's, it's this, it's the telescope. And no, we're still in this world. Let's look forward to what's to come. Let's not miss the forest for the trees. Let, let, let's look ahead and let's believe for what is coming. C.S. Lewis, uh, when he spoke on hope, he said it this way, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Right? That's just another way to say, seek first his, king, his, righteous, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Like, like what, what happens, it's, it, it feels backwards. It feels counterintuitive. But the people who make the greatest impact in this world are the ones who are the most focused on the next world. The ones who are the most preoccupied with heaven, preoccupied with his rule and his reign and his kingdom, they're the ones who are bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And it's when we begin to try to build up our own kingdoms here and put our hope in the things here, how often the harder you try to make something work in your own life, it falls apart. Right? Like it, that happens to us so often. It's like, why? I'm, I'm like giving everything to this, but it's not working. It's like, 
well, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? So like we're, we're living for his kingdom to come, this rule to come in our lives because that's our eternal place. Like we're gonna be living there forever under his rule. So why not now? Jesus, now, come and rule me now. I don't wanna wait till I get there. I wanna be ruled by you now because why? Because I see the fruit of your rule. We're going to see even more here in just a second. And so this is who we are. We're a people in between. We're a people of hope. We're, we're standing on the promise of a kingdom to come. It, it, and we're living in between, right? Like this, this, is, that, this is that third place. There's the, there, there's the advent of Jesus coming. There's the advent of Jesus returning. And here we are in the in-between and what's so easy to happen here, and I think what God would, would really call us to, is to begin to identify where, where is my hope in, in this kingdom? Where, where have I aligned my hopes with things that would happen here? Or should happen, or could happen, or might happen. These, these false hopes, whether it be wealth or health or government or military or spouses or family or careers, none of these things are evil or wicked, right? But when we make them our chief hope and our goal and we make them the focus of our lives, then they do become out of proportion and they do become an idol. They do become something that then becomes wicked because of the way that we're relating to it. The thing isn't wicked, the way we're relating to it is wicked. And, and so we've got to break with the false hope. We've got to disentangle our, 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 where our hopes are in the world. And, and we've got to come to trust in and have a preoccupation with Jesus. And that really is, the application is that. If you'll become preoccupied with Jesus, if you'll think about him and seek him and talk to him and read him and, and put yourself in community and do all these things. It's like, and the cares of the world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. All right, Isaiah goes on. Stand in the hope. Stand in the hope. First, we're standing in the hope that he's Emmanuel, God with us. We're standing in the hope um, that, that he is gonna bring his kingdom and lastly, we're standing in the hope of his victory over sin and death. And I'm going to try to land the plane here quickly. I promise. Isaiah 11 says this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was David's grandfather. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. You could just meditate on that this week and have your, life, have your world rocked. The delight of Jesus was the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. He's not going on conjecture. He's not going on perception. He's not going on hearsay. How does he judge? With righteousness, he shall judge the poor. Israel was longing for a king to come and bring justice. They wanted retribution. They wanted vengeance. They wanted what had been wrong to be made right. 
And it's why they were so disappointed and angry when Jesus came. Because he wasn't coming to wield the sword. He wasn't coming in the way they wanted him to, to execute vengeance upon the oppressors. He took that sword and he didn't point it at their enemies. He took it and he pointed it at himself. He said, the problem is not them. The problem is it's in here. That's where I want to wage war first. I want to wage war on on the sin and the brokenness that's going on inside of each and every one of us. Like this this is the gospel. He who knew no sin, Jesus, the perfect one, he became sin. It doesn't say that Jesus was a symbol of sin on the cross. Scripture says, no, he became sin. He, he, he took our sin upon and into himself and became it. He was torn asunder. He was ripped in half, torn apart from the Father, nailed to a cross and crucified, suffering the wrath and the judgment and the righteous fury of a just God. So why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. It's it's the worst trade in the history of all trades. He took our sin and our death and our punishment and our suffering and we get his life. It's amazing. There's another coming, coming. There's another arrival yet to come. And and Jesus came the first time and he came as a lamb. He came as a sacrifice. When he returns, he comes as a lion. He comes with fire in his eyes, guys. He's riding a white horse. The hem of his robe is dipped in blood and there's a, a, a sword upon his thigh. And he comes to execute judgment upon wickedness. That, that, that's the second coming. For those who are in Christ, it's a glorious day. It's a day where evil is vanquished and, and sin is conquered. But, but we gotta understand in the in-between right now, between when he comes back and he's come the first time, like, like there's, a, there, there's something that has to happen here and we've gotta understand that there's a world without hope. That, that there are so many outside of the walls of this building who are struggling blindly in the dark and they don't know which way is up. And we know the God of hope. And we don't want to get to this day until as many of them know him as they can. Right? We want, we want as many as can be saved to be saved. We want to take this righteousness, this, this, this eradication of evil and this, this conquering of sin and death. And first we want to live it in our own lives. We want to receive it ourselves, but then we want to give it away freely. I mean, freely, abundantly, lavishly, the hope of God. And, and that's what I want to challenge all of us with. In fact, I want us to just take a moment right now. And I just want you to ask God, God, who in my life needs hope right now? Who needs to hear this, God? Who needs to hear that he's come and he's coming again? 
And then just, just give God an, an, an I will there. Okay, what, what is it? What am I gonna do, God? I will what? Church, we are a people of hope. This is who we are. It's not unfounded optimism. It's not wishful thinking. It's, it's stood upon the immutable, unchangeable, incontrovertible promise of God. That he is who he says he is and he's gonna do what he said that he's gonna do. And, and we get to look through this telescope and we get to look forward to his coming with hopeful expectation, with trust in our hearts. And so Father, help us this morning. Help us to come and stand upon your promises today. Help us to, to let go of everything we've laid our hope in that's less than the promise of Jesus, the coming one and the one who's come and the one who's with us now. We just say it again in a fresh way today, like our hope is in you and you alone. Our hope is in you, Jesus. So here's how we're gonna respond this morning. I'm gonna invite you to stand up and, and our ministry team is gonna begin to make their way forward now. And um, specifically two things that I, that I wanna invite us into. And the first one is just very direct. Like if you're in this room today and you're feeling hopeless, we want to pray for you. And actually, you're welcome to come and see one of our prayer team members here. But maybe what you need to do is just come to the front and get on your knees. And we'll have people probably that are going to come around and pray for you there too. But I just want to make that an invitation. If you're in this room and you're feeling hopeless in any way here today, we want to invite you to come forward. You can, you can begin to do that even now as I share the next thing. And, and, and the next thing that maybe um, you need some specific focus and prayer into is any place where um, you've put your hope in something, something else. There's a conviction of Holy Spirit on your heart right now. And you realize that you've gotten things upside down and you just wanna come share that with somebody. Repent, confess and be prayed for. So let's respond to God here together this morning and get all that he has for us here in this time.